Uh, my goodness gracious, it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and in Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Courage with your hosts, Ray and Zach. And, and I must say, it is miserable here in Ventnor City today, so there is a weather update which is newsworthy in and of itself. You know what else is miserable, Dad? Vehicle affordability. <laughs> Did we talk about this yesterday? Sorry, wait a second. I just saw this comment. <laughs> uh, Next week, the thumbnail. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I didn't see today's thumbnail, so maybe you should pull it up so I can see what it is. <laughs> okay, for those of you that listen to the podcast. The comment from Lumber Jeff is next. I can't. Next week, the thumbnail will be Ray's crushed body underneath the flaming price <laughs> of an F one fifty. You know what, Lumber Jeff? It very well might be. We're going to kick things off. We have the Q three uh, state of the auto market from Cox Automotive, and this is alarming. All right, I went with it's officially the worst time ever to buy a car because, Dad. Yes. When you look at the data that Cox Automotive has, household income determines who can afford a car. About 50% of households can only afford a $400 a month car payment. Distribution of payment potential versus 2023 reality. Look at wait, this. Wait, 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 before you go any further, um, what, was, what was the average car payment last month? The average car payment last month for a new vehicle was $770. The average car payment last month for a new lease was $586, and the average car payment for a used car was $592. So uh, help me with this. If 50% of the population can't afford a car payment over $400 a month, um, what, what the hell are they left to buy? Exactly, Dad. Truly, look at this. 25% of Americans, the most they could afford to pay, they're the, the most, if they really were overextending themselves, would be $300 a month. Like, that's not reality for many people here. They're, it, again, average car payment, 770, 592, lease 586. The reason I went with it's officially the worst time ever to buy a car is because when you look at the data that came out from Cox Automotive today, it just yeah. demonstrates how unaffordable it is for anyone to find anything that they can actually, I don't know, comfortably pay for it. I mean, you try and find a $400 a month car payment. It doesn't really exist out there. Uh, well, it's it's very difficult to find. I mean, what do you have to finance? $20,000 to be at, at $400 a month? Um, you know, and how old of a car would it have to be to only be financing $20,000? And let's do it. Dad. Let's let's do it. You know me. You know me. You know how I like to operate. Let's do it. I'm at the, the free car edge out the door price calculator. We're going to pull okay. in the monthly payment terms. You said $20,000. Yes. And, you know, out the door price is going to factor in taxes and things like that. So let's say we're in, I don't know, Georgia. We don't have a trade in cash down. Am I putting any cash down, Dad? Sure. Two grand. All right. We're putting two, 10% down. We're putting two grand down. How long of a loan term am I doing? Well, that's the problem because this is an older car. So how long of a loan, loan term can you get? Put 60 months. All right. We'll do 60 months. And then the average interest rate, let's jump back to the data. What, over from 13.5%? What was that, Pops? 
what is it, 13.85? Oh, I'm sorry, 14.03%? The average used car interest rate is 14.03%. That comes from Cox Automotive. So let's plug that in. 14, okay. 14.03. When I enter that in, my out the door price in the state of Georgia on a $20,000 selling price is actually 22227 Ooh, we're close, man. $470.96. So I could either... I could either let's see. Could I extend the term? I don't. I don't know if you could actually extend the term. If I extend it to seventy-two months, I'm at four hundred and seventeen dollars a month. Let's see. How do I get under four hundred dollars a month? Eighty-four month loan. Oh, you can't get an eight, You're not getting an eighty-four month loan. So yeah, it not would, even not even at fourteen percent interest. Yeah, you you would need money down. You would need more than ten percent down. So. And 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 you know twenty thousand dollars buys an a six seven eight year old used car. Is the bank really going to finance it for another six years? You're um, saying six seven eight year old used car. Remember that data that you and I looked at the other day, Dad? We've got a video coming out on the Car Edge channel. I think on a Thursday of this week, breaking that data down. Yeah, I don't know if twenty thousand dollars goes as far as you think, Dad. Let's let me pull it up here on the screen. This data comes from IC cars. So we're talking just about used cars right now. Yes. Change in average price of used cars by age, 2019 to 2023. The average price of a one-year-old used car in 2019 was $27,793. The average price of a one-year-old used car in 2023 is $46,403. Pops, so you're go, saying... Go down to eight years. You have to find an eight-year-old car that has an average transaction price of $19,476 to be able to afford, or to be able to, yeah, to be able to afford. You're going to have to find that eight-year-old used car plus put 20% down and get approved on a 60-month note at the average interest rate to get under $400 a month payments right now, Pops. Yeah, how do you do that? Uh, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I guess that's a quasi rhetorical question, but I mean, why would a bank put a, do, I don't know, would a, would a bank do a five year note, okay, on an eight year old car? And, and let's say, let's say that this eight year old car was driven a little less than the average annual miles in this country. And the average annual miles is about 15,000 miles a year. Let's say this particular car was only driven 12,000 miles a year. So is a bank going to loan $20,000 or a little more on an eight-year-old car with 96,000 miles on the odometer are, are they going to write a, a loan for five years? I mean, what you know, what's going to happen in five years on a ninety-six thousand mile car? Okay. Um, yeah, talk us through. Talk us through what happens when you I go mean, from ninety thousand miles. To, yeah, think yeah. about this for a second. Eight years ago, you know, they you have you have platinum tip. Uh, spark plugs in the car, so so it doesn't need its first um, tune-up, new plugs and everything, till around one hundred and ten thousand miles. Okay, so in a year's time, you're going to have to do the first tune-up on the vehicle. 
Um, does it have a timing chain? If it has a timing chain, the timing chain will probably go at a certain point, 120, 125,000 miles. Um, maybe it has a timing belt and the timing belt stretches. And so you need to replace the time. I mean, there are any number of, of relatively expensive issues that will crop up over the five years that you're planning on keeping that car to be able to pay back that loan. Where, where are you getting the money for those major repairs that will be coming up on the car? I mean, this, you know, and, and I can tell you from having spent 43 years in retail automotive, hmm. customers think of today and they think of their monthly payment today. Yep. Okay. Yes, I can afford that $420 a month today. They ain't thinking about a year and a half from now when not only are they going to have to afford that $420 a month payment, but they're going to have a $1,500 to $2,000 repair bill that they're going to have to pay that month as well. So yep. suddenly their car payment for that month went from $420 to, I don't know, $2,420. There is no way when the vast majority of Americans don't have $1,000 put away in case of an emergency that they're going to be able to, to cover the cost of repairs that are going to be needed on that vehicle. It, it is just, it is beyond me what we have done in this country to make transportation no longer affordable for the masses. And it's one thing if you're living in a city that has mass transportation or in a metropolitan area that has enough mass transportation to be able yep. to get you from where you live to where you work. Um, but once you start getting out of metro areas, you lose that ability. You need some form of motorized transportation to get you places. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I know when we were in Detroit the other day, you know, I kept thinking to myself, I kept seeing those lime electric scooters everywhere. Yeah. How many, how many people are going to rely on that? Going to rely on electric bikes? Um, maybe, cheap uh, scooters, uh, Vespa knockoffs, um, that, that those things are literally going to become their mode of transportation because automobiles, pickup trucks, SUVs will no longer be affordable even on a pre-owned level for people. Pops, what percent, and I'll ask this to the chat as well, what percent of Americans think new vehicle ownership is now financially out of reach. What do you think? What percent? Yep. Uh, I would say 67% of Americans feel like um, uh, purchasing a, a new automobile is out of reach. All right. 67% from my dad. Regina yeah. says 70%. Pops, I'll give you a hint. It's higher than 67. It's higher then Regina's 70. Jarrett, it's higher than 53. Brad, it is lower yeah. than 100%. <laughs> Although perhaps it should be 100%. Vision's is getting pretty close at 75%. That Cox Automotive 
which it's it's ironic. They're the monopoly that that run. In my opinion, they are a monopoly that yeah. runs the uh, the the auto industry behind the scenes. Yes, eighty three percent of their respondents think new vehicle ownership is financially out of reach. That that that's a staggering number. You know, we keep. I I I guess staggering, I keep, Dad. I mean, yeah. staggering would be half. Staggering would be forty yes. percent. It's eighty three. Eight out of ten people. Four out of five people walking around right now think, okay, I'll never own a new car because it's too expensive. Well, you know that's, what? I mean, that's insane. Yeah, four out of five people would be correct <laughs> to think that. I, I mean, with what prices are, they would be absolutely correct to think that new car ownership is completely out of the question. Now, you have to say to yourself, or you have to start asking the questions, whose fault is that? Okay. Is it the government's fault because of governmental regulations and safety regulations? Could be a contributing factor. Is it the automobile manufacturer's fault because they are all publicly traded companies and their first responsibility, their fiduciary responsibility is to their shareholders to figure out how to have the greatest return on investments profit-wise for their shareholders. So I would say, yeah, the manufacturers are part and parcel of what the problem is. Is it um, the, the Federal Reserve because they have raised interest rates so dramatically in the last uh, 15 to 18 months that it has become patently unaffordable for most people. I, I would say, yep, the, the Fed is, is partially responsible for that. Is it banks who agreed to finance excessive amounts of money on cars that weren't worth anywhere near what they were financing? You, you got to say, well, yeah, the banks are part of the problem. So when you look around, everybody from the government to the Federal Reserve, to the manufacturers, to the dealers who overcharged, to the banks who agreed to finance all that, everyone involved in the industry is responsible. And none of them are doing a damn thing about that. It is almost as if they have all decided this is what they want to have happen. That, that merely 17% of the population will be able to buy new cars. And that is a sufficient enough slice of the population that these manufacturers, dealers, banks feel as if they can still be profitable enough only selling to 17% of the population. That is, that is a, that's a scary proposition. That's a, you have taken away in a heartbeat any thoughts of what a middle-class lifestyle should be in this country. There will only be, moving forward, two lifestyles, the working poor and the uber-wealthy. And there ain't going to be anything in between other than from the working poor side, 
abject resentment for the uber wealthy. Now, I don't want to be the bearer of bad tidings, but things normally don't work out well when a, such a small percentage of the population can do things and the vast majority of the population cannot. At, at some point in time, the majority might start to say, yeah, we don't like living quite like this anymore. Um, either we want more or you got to figure out how to make stuff less expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, look I at mean, the current environment. I mean, truly, we were in Detroit. We were at the Ford factory tour. The Ford factory tour starts with two videos. The first video talks about the original uh, unionization, the, the the beginnings of the United Auto Workers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally talks about that. And in that in that film that Ford produced and plays for you when you go and visit their Rouge factory in Dearborn, Michigan, it talks about Henry Ford's dream and his vision of his workers, his laborers being able to afford and drive a new Ford vehicle. And we had yesterday's show was all about Ford because the latest data we had from Ford is that the average monthly payment on an F-150, not an F-Series, on an F-150 is $983. Followed up with today's data from Cox Automotive. I'll pull it up on the screen again. About 50% of households can only afford a $400 a month payment. So we're sitting in an environment, we're having this conversation of strike at Ford. <laughs> the yes. laborers are saying, pay us more. Ford doesn't actually have the money, it seems like, or the willingness to want to pay them more. We've got competitors, Tesla, coming into the market and others you know, that, that produce cheaper electric vehicles. It's a fascinating time, Deb, because you're right. Those that are getting, those are getting pissed off that, hey, why, why can't we afford anything? Eventually, they'll vote with their pocketbooks and with their wallets. And you've got to imagine this is how capitalism is supposed to work. Someone will come in, an entity will come in, a corporation will come in and fill that void. Doesn't seem like it's going to be Toyota. It doesn't seem like it's going to be Honda. Definitely doesn't seem like it's going to be any of the domestics. They can't afford to lower their prices. But someone somewhere is going to have to offer relief to consumers who actually want to, I don't know, not bum rides from friends, or as you were suggesting earlier, ride Lime scooters on Interstate 80. Okay, man, like someone's going to come in with some relief. They have to. That's like, how capitalism it, it works. Just, it just seems to me, and maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm foolish, but it just seems to me that if you if you work hard and you're, you're making a living, that you should be entitled to enjoying some of life's benefits. Okay? Now, I know that, that Antonio shared an article with us about how luxury goods sales have gone up, and 27% of those who are buying luxury goods are people that make $50,000 a year or less. Absolutely, the people that should not be buying luxury goods. But the point is that if you work hard, long, hard, trying to make some money, trying to make a better life for yourself and your family, that you should be able to enjoy some of the rewards of that work. That includes something along the lines of what I grew up knowing to be a middle-class lifestyle. Um, you know, I, I, I live in Ventnor City, New Jersey. I don't live in Ventnor City, Ventnor City. I live in Ventnor Heights, okay? So, I, I'm going to explain this to you the best way I can for where I live. I live on the poor side of the inland waterway, okay? Ventnor has uh, the island side, which is 
on the beach side of the inland waterway, which is anywhere from two to three blocks from the inland waterway to the to the ocean, to the beach. I live on the opposite side of that. And there's more of Ventnor on the opposite side of that, which is the poor side of Ventnor, go so to speak. And and homes in Ventnor Heights always sold for hundreds of thousand dollars less than those on the beach side of the inland waterway. Well, I can tell you today that it appears as if the average asking price for a home on the poor side now is approaching a half a million dollars. A half a million dollars when it was when it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars just a couple of years ago. Um, who can afford it? How do people? I mean, it's how can you be middle class when you can't even afford to buy a house anymore? Let's keep it moving, pops. Let's keep it I'm moving. Sorry. We've done twenty minutes of affordability crisis, followed up by yesterday's thirty minutes of affordability <laughs> crisis. If you're noticing a theme here, folks, it's that we're very passionate about finding better ways for people to get from point A to point B, ways that they can actually afford. Let's go to the chat here, Dad. We've got from Core Guy. Thanks for the contribution. Thank you, Core Guy. My country has zero middle class, only working class, poor, and uber rich. I'm telling you now, folks. America is severe, uh, several decades away from that. So there you go. From from Core Guy, we appreciate your contribution. From James. Thank you for for uh, for chatting, and James. We appreciate um, you being a part of our community and supporting us like this. It means a lot to us. You can put that towards that down payment pops on that half million dollar <laughs> house that you're talking about. Well, I'm All right, Dad. Let's. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not buying that house. <laughs> let's switch gears here for just a moment. One other thing related to we had mentioned Ford. We've got continuing developments with the UAW strike. This was fascinating, Dad. Yes. Ford came out and they have stopped work on their uh, Blue Oval Battery Park, which is their huge EV uh, initiative, kind of like 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 the Rouge plant that we visited. Now, this is their yes. big new initiative. And the United Auto Workers UAW president slamming them for that decision. Ford has come out. This is interesting when you start to line up the stories. What was it, two weeks ago that they got a $4 billion line of credit? Now yes. they're stopping, halting production uh, or work on their new Blue Oval facility. And I mean, I'm not... Didn't they get nine billion dollars from the federal government as well? Yeah, work on that to work yeah. on it. Yes, it's like what? What's going on at Ford, man? What's going on at Ford? That's the question I'm asking. Uh, what's going on at Ford? I don't know. Maybe they're realizing there's no money to be made selling EVs. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's part of it. I, I I don't know. You know, maybe they're afraid that. And, you know, I, I read the comments. Everybody says you, labor costs for vehicle production only represents 5% of all the costs. So even if, if labor costs doubled, it's still only 10%, which indicates, well, that, that there's a lot of greed on the manufacturer's parts. But, you know, I, I think maybe the manufacturer saying, okay, our labor costs are going to go up. And based on what we're seeing going on in the marketplace at the moment, we're going to have to start lowering our damn prices, not raising the damn prices. Um, yep. So maybe, maybe they're they're extrapolating from that that it might not be the best use of three and a half billion dollars at the moment to invest it in that battery plant. I, I, I you know, I don't know. I, 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 I keep. 
I keep trying to warn the American people that I'm not very bright. I'm not a real smart guy. You know, I might have a lot of opinions, but yeah. I don't know the answers to, to most of this stuff. I really don't. Pops, I want to remind everyone, if you don't yeah. mind, uh, lift your lift your your sweatshirt up real quick. My dad is wearing the Out the Door Price merch. If you are interested, it's at shop.caredge.com. We have, if it's taxable, it's negotiable. Knowledge is power. We also have, should be on here somewhere, page two, Out the Door Price, as yes. well as what is the buy rate. If you are going to buy a car anytime soon, <laughs> I encourage you to walk into the dealership wearing one of those. I absolutely love it, Dad. I think we need, I think we need to get, some merch that says, what's an affordable payment? <laughs> <laughs> less than $400 a month. We now, yes. now find me a less than $400 a month car. Now, yeah. Dad, let's have our favorite segment of the show, if you don't mind. Really? You got to be kidding me. All right. So maybe the solution to our affordability problems, Dad, is that everyone needs to be driving a Jeep Gladiator. The first time I have ever seen, and we've been doing this, I've, I've been in the auto industry for three and a half years, my dad, 43 years, Jeep Gladiator gets record $20,000 discount off of MSRP. Wow. Wow. See what happens when stuff doesn't sell? $20,000 discount. Now, I got to ask yes. you, if you actually contacted this dealership, do you think the price would actually be $32,346. The MSRP is $52,505. Dealer discount of $12,283. $7,876 in rebates. Internet price of $32,346. Do you think it's bait and switch pops? Or do you think the $20,000 discounts are here to stay for gladiators? I think it's bait and switch because there's $7,876 of available rebates. And and probably most people might qualify for, I don't know, 3,500 of that. Um, so I, I think they've added every rebate that is humanly possible that 99% of the population does not qualify for. That's just my guess, uh, having spent 43 years in the car business and knowing how most dealers um, will use deceptive advertising means to encourage people to well, show up and then be disappointed. Imagine if it was legitimate and imagine that your $32,000 price point car was a Jeep Gladiator and we just saw everyone like like yeah. Honda Civics or Toyota Camrys are now Jeep Gladiators. Everyone's just riding around in those because, you know, the quality of them's a little meh. But I mean, that'd be, that'd be an interesting dynamic that everyone on the highway driving those crazy looking Gladiators. Yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, that that is knowing full well that that so many dealers build their business based on deception and and advertising as an industry is well it, it, at, at the very least psychological deception um definitely um if not outright deception um it, it, do i hate a dealer for doing something like that absolutely put Put what the real rebates are that people can qualify for, not not the dream rebates. You know, well, uh, you have to be military. You have to be a recent college graduate. Um, you have to have graduated from an Ivy League school with a four four point zero grade point average. I mean, you know, it's all. I'm not gonna. It's all BS. It's all. It's all just when you're when you're 
entire business operation is based on deception. I don't know how you sleep at night, okay? If you're the owner of that, yeah, you 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 have to realize that you're doing something wrong if the only way you feel you can operate is by deceiving your customers to get them to come into your door. Um, at a certain point, there has to be truth in advertising, you know, and. I, I wouldn't care if, if it was the Jeep dealer and said, hey, the Gladiator is way overpriced. You want some truth in advertising? This piece of poo is way overpriced, okay? We're going to give you a discount of $12,000, and then whatever whatever incentives you qualify for, you will get, okay? Because those factory incentives don't cost the dealer a penny, not a penny. It's not I mean, think about out it. your pocket. At a minimum, there's $12,000 that the dealer's taken off of that. I mean, that's insane yes. when you think about what those were selling for, I don't know, even just a year ago. Well, I mean, when we were at the Jeep dealership and we were looking at car and we're, and we're going, what, what, what is this? What are these dealers thinking? What is, forget the deal. What the hell is Jeep thinking pricing them this high? What, is, what are any of the manufacturers thinking with, the, I mean, we know that inflation has has been running over the last three years. Maybe it amounts to about twenty percent or so. But MSRPs have gone up. The lowest any of the manufacturers have gone up. I think it was Subaru at a little over twenty five percent. Yep, exactly. You know, there is at a certain point the manufacturer greed has to stop, and the dealer deception in order to um, uh, as be able to sell cars has to stop. There just, there just has to be some honest-to-goodness truth in advertising. You, you know what? I think people could would appreciate it if dealers just came out and said, hey, the stuff's a little overpriced, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to lower the price, but da, 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 please come in. All right, here's what we're doing to try and help. I'm going to pull it up on the screen. First things first, if you are selling a car, you know I love to do these experiments. Here's how to get more information in your hands before you go into that dealership. Carvana just told me, Dad, yes. lucky for me, my 2020 Honda Civic with 27,100 miles is worth $18,300. doesn't matter if you're selling a car to Carvana or the dealer down your street, folks. Please please, please use this free tool because look at the competitive offers, gang. Holy wow. cow. So this is number one. That's an $8,000 difference, $7,500 difference. CarMax is offering twenty six grand. The Car Gurus Dealer Network, 22820 Again, I literally just got this email. Congratulations, Zach. Your 2020 Honda Civic value has gone up $115. No, you're wrong, Carvana. It has gone up to $26,000. CarEdge.com slash sell. The reason I'm bringing that up, Dad, is because it doesn't matter if you're thinking about selling your car to Carvana or the dealer down the street. You have to get ammunition, get information. It, you know, the information is your power. The other thing that I will mention, for a limited time, we are bringing back concierge. If you go to CarEdge.com right now, it'll, it'll 
tell you how to get access to concierge. It's for a limited time, but we're slowly bringing that back out. We obviously have our initiative with the trusted dealers that we've been working with. So if you are interested in purchasing a Ford vehicle, we've got a trusted dealer partner that we can connect you with. We don't even connect you. We do the whole thing for you. And concierge, I'm not going to talk too much about it because we don't want to get too overwhelmed. But concierge, where we do the whole thing, soup the nuts for you, car gets delivered to your door, that is back for a limited time. So please, those are two ways that we can help you, not to mention the fact we have the end of month campaign going on right now. So we've got all the other crapola that's for uh, for discounts right now to just try and help people. So it's it's a we're doing our best to just try and be honest and upfront and give people information so that they can be empowered as they go do what is a very difficult thing, which is spending tens of thousands of dollars. Um, you, you know, know I'm one of the things that I learned when I when I started in the business in 1977. We're asking people to spend a lot of money, big chunk of their money. And I, I don't know, I live by the thought that, well, if you're asking people to spend that kind of money, at the very least, they should be able to have a good time doing it. I mean, if, if, if the average transaction price for a new vehicle in America today is like $47,000 or so, well, if, if I'm spending $47,000, I want to have some fun. I want it to be a very, very pleasant experience. I, I, I want to. I even expect to be entertained to a certain degree. And somewhere along the line, people have been okay with not having a good time when it comes to spending that kind of money. And that's got to change. I mean, that just has to change. I don't think we're asking too much. Um, for the dealers when they when they ask us to spend that kind of money to allow us to have a good time doing it and not make it drudgery and not make it um, the least favorite experience um, that we've ever had in our lifetime. It shouldn't be that way. Just shouldn't. But some of you dealers who do that, please keep doing it. it keeps us in business. We get to help people. So now I'm, I'm totally kidding. Obviously, we were trying to propel the industry in that direction. All right, Dad, let's call it a show. Um, friendly announcement for you and the audience i'm not i'm not i'm not here until next wednesday excuse me yeah i'm off for a week man oh okay where are you going to be tell people where you're going to be i am doing my first ever professional formal leader leadership training um so i was accepted into a program i can't announce yet but once we do the first session that i'm going to put it on my linkedin all proud yeah. and happy Doing my first ever professional leadership training. So I'm offline tomorrow through Sunday for that. So it's pretty intensive. And then on Monday, I'm visiting with a mentor of mine. And then on Tuesday, I'm flying back home. That being said, yes, there should be shows, Pops. Talk to the team. We're trying to line up some co-hosts and some guests for you. So there will be some shows. Okay. All right, I just won't be by your side. Um, we've got uh, Josh Fagan from SueYourDealer.com yeah. lined up for Thursday. So you and Josh will be having a fun conversation. Yeah, Hopefully I'll be able to get a few other folks on the team and outsiders to come in as well. But I'm very excited. I've never done professional leadership training. I have so much to learn. So that is why I will be on hi hiatus that and then meeting with a mentor. So sorry, I'm not going to be here, but I'm really excited. And well, like as, as a proud father, I will say you have a damn good excuse not to be here. So uh, I'll let you slide this time. Uh, <laughs> and and just enjoy it and learn a lot and 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 uh, you'll be amazed at the growth you see in yourself over the course of time so i'm really happy for you proud for you and uh, 
Yeah, or even if I have to do a half hour monologue, I don't know whatever whatever we need to do. Um, but I'm I'm assuming that I'll have some help putting some of this together. Hundred percent, Dad. Hundred percent. All right, cool. my dad will be back tomorrow. I'll be back in a week. Thank you, everyone, for being here with us, Dad. Enjoy the afternoon, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, I love you, handsome. I'll um, um, have a safe flight wherever the hell you're going. I'll text you. <laughs> <Obviously>. <laughs>